0: Walk down, walk down, walk down. Most people Hello and welcome
1: think. to episode 38 of what most people think. How are you? Were you uh were you been on a beach? Have you this week you cheeky for? Going on a beach in a hot day. Were you there? Were you on, were you one of the people on South End Beach? Were you were you also judging everyone else was there? Were you, or were you one of the people trying to take uh, panoramic style photos, which actually don't really tell you whether or not everybody was practising social distancing. Anyway, how are you? Welcome to uh, the podcast. If it is your first time, this is the podcast that sort of comes at things from a slightly right of centre, non-woke standpoint. And um, I hope that your experience, you know, lockdown is starting to ease now. And I think that Jesus Christ, given the borrowing figures from the government today, thank fuck for that. Oh my god. Is any is there anybody still around that thought that we could have just carried this on till July? Because you know what? In a real twist of fate, it turns out communism is quite expensive. It's quite expensive. We're going to get onto the politics, uh, we'll have a normal politics roundup in the show and then we'll also be talking about this uh, this thing where the UN tweeted out advice over which words we should use. Cuz you know, you know people these days they they can't, you know, they can't police the world, the UN, but um, they can try and police our language. So we will get onto that. I've come to a conclusion that I have, I've had enough of Zoom, man. I've had enough of Zoom. I don't know what it is, but I spend so much of my days just staring at a screen of tiny little thumbnail images of people. And obviously, like everybody else who looks themselves on camera, you know, ever since the inception of things like Skype, I'm sick of looking at my own face. I'm sick of looking at my own weight gain and my hair getting bigger. I'm sort of like like a really well fed, <laughs> a really well fed political prisoner. That's what I look like. I look, you remember Terry Waite when he was chained to that, uh, chained to that radiator in Lebanon? Was it? I don't know. But anyway, I look like a fat Terry Wait. Uh, God bless Terry Waite. Is he dead? I don't know. But um, uh, shout out to the Patreon top tier. Shout out to Maria Rushton. And Keith Pearson. So also just before coming on air, I've got a new top tier VIP Patreon follower, Paul Watts. Hello, Paul Watts. And that is along with shout outs to Maria Rushton and Keith Pearson. So what we do uh, also is we keep a count on the swearing. At first it was I was trying to keep swearing down and then it was just I was interested in how much I was swearing and then it's it just become something altogether different it's also it's sort of become like the government daily briefings so first up let's have the raw numbers from a man David Domain and uh, last week, we had 12 fuckings, 10 fucks, 1 fuckers, 6 shits, 1 arse, and a bollocks. And then uh, Phil Lucas. So we do a thank you and a fuck you. Phil Lucas, thank you for the graphs, man. If you want to see what Phil did, uh, he and thank you to a couple of other people who sent me those in. I just happened to get Phil's first, so I lobbed them up. Uh, they were hilarious. Um, there, there's other graphs too, which I will be getting up on Twitter in the fullness of time. Uh, one of which uh, is really a deep dive into stats. But um, it prompted some debate about how the swearing is calibrated. I also got a message from somebody saying, uh, the so-called comedian Jeff Norcott triumphantly announced his complete absence of the word prick in his podcast of the previous week. However, in the subsequent explanation, he used the word prick five times in 10 seconds. Prime Minister, can you tell me and the people of the United Kingdom whether the esteemed statistician David Domain includes swear words used when recounting the previous week's cuss count in his current week cuss count? And if this is not the case, can you confirm whether Mr Norcott will be resigning for misleading the nation? Over the scale of the profanity issue in his podcast, well, I'd like to say first up to the honourable gentleman that I think he's been a bit negative here, and I'm not sure I like his tone. Uh, I think he should look at the the overall reductions in swearing and and the the increased detection of swearing because obviously swearing was happening before, but now we have the means of testing it, and I think that uh, I think that that deserves recognition. But just for those of you that are into technicalities like that, um, I yeah, we don't count the repetition of the swear words uh, in and around the discussion of the fucking cunt in previous week's swear words. So essentially, they're fucking freebies. So I'll, I'll take advantage of them as much as I can. And, uh, you know, I always feel a bit bad here. Anybody that's got the podcast on in a situation where they've got family members around, yeah, fuck them. So uh, the fuck you this week. Sorry, that was this is too much. I didn't realise I was about to go on straight onto that. Uh the, the fuck you is, uh is anyone who's got a McDonald's open near them? Anyone's got a McDonald's, you're just all looking jealously. You know, at first in the lockdown, we were looking at the curve, weren't we? Then we were looking at the you know the testing numbers, then yes, now who's got a McDonald's. I don't I didn't know I'd want it this much. And, and you know, people want to sneer, don't they? The foodies, the food elites online, they wanna they want to sneer at at those of us that that want fast food. But you know what? It's normality. I'm not saying that the The quarter pounder with cheese is the greatest burger ever. I mean, it's not as good as five guys. I know it's not as good as five guys, but I have a relationship with that burger going back until, well, going back to my childhood, you know? And it's normality for me. It's part of my routine. It'll be like being able to to just order a coffee and then sit down and drink the coffee in that place where I did order the coffee. It's normality. Um, And McDonald's, you need to be doing more. I don't know if we need, you know, to get the army in perhaps, and maybe we need to get the army in, but we need to, let's get the McDonald's open because it feels like more than primary schools, that is how we start the return to normality. A quick catch up on the politics. I mean, it just seems like just before I record this, there's always something happening. Just, most recently we had the government um, announcing that there's a surcharge for NHS overseas workers uh, would be going up quite considerably. I think it's about four hundred quid, and they were saying it's going to be six hundred and twenty-five quid, and and quite understandably there was a backlash. To this it feels it felt a little bit tone deaf, didn't it? <laughs> right in the middle of a pandemic, right in the middle of clap for carers, after Boris himself had specifically picked out uh, NHS workers in his speech having come out of hospital, and and so the government climbed down on it. I mean, it was so it was so obviously a case of um, of walking onto an uppercut that you had to wonder. Did they just do this to drum up attention for the fact that they were going to climb down on it? Now, I may be giving Cummins and Boris Johnson a little bit too much credit there because, you know, there's a lot of this stuff recently. And I've got sympathy for the government. They've been at the coalface of a crisis for quite a while. But there does seem to be a little bit of... uh, incompetence creeping in. I mean, the contact tracing, does anyone anyone think that this is going to be rolled out on the 1st of June properly? It's not just about whether or not the app works. And let's bear in mind, there's a lot of companies that have designed apps for years that have still been shit when they've gone to market. So the idea that the government, I mean, it's just a big job, isn't it? It's a big job to get an app, you know, up and running, get it to market, no glitches. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work properly, right? And the other issue is, is whether or not people are going to use it. And it takes me back to the fact that we do have a different culture in this country. I don't remember the behavioural scientists who turns out were quite right about quite a lot of things, but got pilloried at the time. But they were talking about the kind of lockdowns you had in other countries and comparing them to Britain and just saying that you have to be careful. You know, how long can you stay in lockdown? It depends a bit on the people. And I think that also, you know, saying that they immediately had uh, contact tracing apps and whatnot in South Korea. you're Good. This is Britain. It's a different country. There's a, there's a hell of a lot of fuck yous from the British people about doing things. I think the main reason we accepted lockdown when it happened was because everyone was kind of like, yeah, for a few weeks, that might be all right. For a few weeks, right? We went into it willingly. Like, okay, let's do, let's do a lockdown. And it wasn't, you know, it was never, mostly it wasn't legal. If you look at the way the old bill were arresting people, mostly arrest, I mean, it, it didn't seem like any of it was legally enshrined. But it went, it went into it on a basis of goodwill. So I don't know if, there was a contact contact tracing app. Whether or not I would use it, I mean, I'm, I haven't got anything to hide. But I just, I just, don't want to know my business. I, it's, it's a lot to ask, and also it's a bit like recycling, isn't it? You sort of like think, well, I'll do my bit. But if no one else is doing their bit, what's the point? You know, or, or or as a country, you know, we'll recycle. But if the Chinese, you know, decide to have an extra cup of tea. Just once a day. That just fucks whatever we're doing out of the water. But the government seems to be locked in this thing of committing to big things. Like, they're in this... It's, it's like a dick-waving competition between the government and journalists like Piers Morgan, where they just want to win now. I think the initial thing of doing the right thing is gone. Uh, but the government are sort of getting things right. It's weird, isn't it, with, with um, testing numbers? Because go- it's a dick-waving competition, but sometimes the dick is impressive. You know, it flaps around there in, in the changing room, you know? <laughs> And the other times it's it's not quite so impressive. The other time it's uh, it's it's cold outside. Let's put it that way. Can you hear my dog barking? Shut up, Lily. So it's just just the postman coming. Yeah, I mean she barks at that. I was um, I was attacked over the rugby pitches a while ago by a nutter, and um, she didn't do shit. So yeah yeah, good for you, Lily. With the, when there's a window between you and the postman, you're, you're like Rambo. So in quite a Prime Minister's Question Times. Captain Forensic got a bit rattled, didn't he? I'll pick Keir Starmer. It really, it's really annoying me because, you know, Keir Starmer, me included, was willing to concede that Keir Starmer had won a lot of the previous encounters. But this week, he didn't. They couldn't handle it, though, could they? The old stormtroopers. <laughs> Keir Starmer, you're not silly, no a good, no good player. He never gets anything wrong. He's so forensic, he lay a question down on the man. No, he didn't lick Boris's boom-boom down, I'm a, I'm afraid on this occasion he got a bit rattled because he asked the same question again it was because Boris came back to him on something and sort of moderated his tone which is obviously the worst thing you can ever do to a person and then he asked the same question about contact tracing you know and i just i just think that people need to accept Jessica Starmer is a lot better yes i'm pleased to see organised opposition but he's not going to he's not going to be operating at the top of his game all the time. And it's okay when it comes to PMQs. It's so funny with PMQs because you get these liberal left types that probably look down their noses at the tribalism of football. You know, like where people just can't accept, you know, we did, no, we did lose. No, we did lose. No, it's handball. It's handball. So effectively, we, we haven't lost yet. We're still unbeaten. Still unbeaten, mate. Still top of the league. That's what they're doing. It was quite clear that it was Boris this week, but they weren't, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Boris, I, I've, I've always said, I think that his public speaking is overrated. I, I, I also maintain I'm yet to see this reflexive genius on his toes that we were promised. But he, he's not stupid. OK, if Starmer gets the better of him a couple of times in a row, he's going to come with a slightly different game. And uh, yeah, and Starmer as well. Where, where are the other Labour voices right now? Have you not, Have you noticed that? Right, you know with the toys we're seeing quite a lot of different people we're seeing Boris Johnson we're seeing Matt Hancock getting told off that was hilarious when um Matt Hancock got told off and the speaker Lindsay Hoyle said uh, if, you, if you want to I could say se- I, 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 I could send you I could can- <laughs> send you right up. so no no it sounded like it sounded like bumble didn't it like David Lloyd was getting a bit uh, getting a bit annoyed Sarah Cox the DJ shes just a really funny online. She said she was like a CDT teacher who was all right. But if you start dicking around with the lathe, he will tell you off. And that was exactly what he was like. Yeah, yeah, Mr Hancock, we'll have none of that for you. You're, you're out for you, son. We'll have none of that. And um, But yeah, so but we are seeing at least different governmental voices. Uh, Matt Hancock, Rishi Sunak, Priti Patel, for better or worse. Um, but you're not seeing anyone from Labour. They're already adopting a sort of semi-quasi-presidential role. In opposition, And we all know why that is, right? It's because uh, the party hasn't changed. I keep saying this. I keep saying this. The party hasn't changed behind him. Behind him, you've got Rebecca Long-Bailey, right? You've got David Lammy. You've got Richard Berger. He's not, these people ain't getting a voice. Do you know what I mean? You've got Dawn Butler and her, her report into microaggressions on WhatsApp groups. It's just him. You know, it's just it's him on the highway, and the, and another issue that Labour will have coming out of this, because obviously a few recent polls have shown a narrowing of the gap between the Conservative and Labour Party, right, in terms of Westminster voting intentions, in terms of approval ratings for Starmer and so on. But the Tories are still comfortably ahead. You have got to understand how unusual that is, you know, for a sitting government, and especially a, a party that have been in power for so long. And and the reason being is is that you know they are people can see that the fundamental culture of the Labour Party hasn't changed and here's here's an you know and they don't they don't take a position on anything when it came to when it came to brexit right they essentially right from the beginning thought that they could just rubberneck a catastrophe that's what they thought you know they were you know there was a coach crash and they were like well we're not we're not going to help try and steer it we'll just sort of stand back and pre-varicate and this has been the same to an extent um with coronavirus right they haven't they haven't said anything concrete about what they would have done differently. They might have done things uh, more competently in the realms of PPE. they would certainly claimed that. But in terms of big strategy issues, they, had, they, they hadn't they said that they would have locked down earlier. They hadn't said that they would have come out and locked down sooner or later, right? So at some point, you know, they need to take a position. But when it comes to the the relative popularity of this government, what, what the left and, you know, kind of, Liberal Twitter has failed to understand so far. Is that no one's really understood the psychological value of the NHS uh, not collapsing? You know, I've spoke about that already. But as well as that, it's the, it's the furlough scheme. It's the furlough scheme. Do they not get the idea? Like that, when you spent years and years saying that the Tories are evil and the Tories don't give a shit about you, when the Tories are actually just bunging some fat wedge in your in your current account every month. <laughs> You know, the government are paying you, Go, That's all right. We got this one, man. Yeah, now nah, it's tough times out there. You, you put your feet up. Yeah, you watch a bit of uh, Disney Plus or that Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix. Everyone's going on about that's actually not that great. You, you watch a, you watch a bit of that, and and we've got this. We've got this. I mean, this is a whole generation. So there'll be a legacy after this, right? When we come out of this, it's going to be a legacy for both wings of politics. For the Tories, it's going to be questions about their competence, about the death toll and about various handling of the the pandemic, right? But for the Labour Party, it's going to be, how are you going to now say that this lot don't give a shit about the NHS when arguably they went beyond the call of duty to protect it, right? How are you going to say that when they're probably to stay popular, they're going to be they're going to be spunking money in the NHS like no one's business. And and how are you going to say that they don't care when they effectively paid the nation's wages for a while? Good luck with that one. Most Just a quick hype going out here um, on the Patreon, right? If you haven't signed up for it yet uh, to help support the podcast, you know, and um, keep it weekly once we come out of lockdown. But there are benefits. There's already videos gone up, and obviously I keep in touch with the Patreon community about exactly when the podcast is going to come out, and try and involve them as much as possible. But here's something else that I'm going to do. All right, I've seen a lot of comedians been doing gigs online and they've been asking people like you know to pay eight quid a time for the gig stuff like that i'd rather i'd rather keep it in house with the patreon community right so this is what i'm going to do in the next couple of weeks i'm just working out the tech for it is that i'm going to do a new material gig okay so you will be getting you know i'm <laughs> you know, i still want you to come to the tour but i thought it might be fun to work through uh, some ideas and to start off with i'm going to have an audience of 25 so i'm going to do it via zoom And to try and make it fair, given what people are paying, but also not wanting to only favour one end, uh, the VIPs will all get an invite. Uh, There'll be 10 people from the middle tier and then five people from the what most people pay, £3 tier. So I will be in contact for that. Now, if you want to be involved in that, it won't be the last one I do, by the way. If it's successful, then I'll do more. But if you want to be involved in that, sign up to the Patreon now. So at any tier, you've got a chance of getting that access. But obviously, you want to guarantee it, go for the VIP tier. And uh, I think it could be fun. I think it could be fun. Like you guys, uh, because obviously my show is going to, my tour, when it goes back out, is going to have to change a lot. (laughs) A lot of the tour, a lot of the tour is about not wanting the state to interfere. And now look at us. Do you know what I mean? Now are people sitting on their fat asses at home getting paid to do fuck all. Going, yeah, I'm quite happy with the state interfering. And, you know, the state will probably have to interfere quite heavily when it comes to obesity. Jesus Christ, have you seen how many old fat bastards, blokes are out jogging now? It's amazing. I was saying to my wife the other day, like they, they, the fear in their eyes as they jog past you. And I, I think it's great that they you know, that they've been scared into doing something. But I, I don't know why it took this. I don't know how many statins you've got to be shoving in your mush every day. You know, how many times a doctor told them that they were overweight, blood pressure, risk of heart attack, stroke, type 2 diabetes. And, and, and they only really reacted when there was something that was on the news every day. It had it had to be that the risk was like a sort of a killer, a killer sort of zombie apocalypse type thing before they did anything. But, you know, good for them. It's good seeing them wobbling their way around <laughs> The nature it. It's funny when you take the piss out of out of fat people. You, if you do it with an old bloke, you can get away with it. If I was saying this about women right now, very different reaction. But yeah, I've seen a few of them too. Uh, and, and shout outs to the uh, what most people pay middle tier: Ian Wood, Carolyn Sharp, and my good friend uh, Colin Bloom. Uh, so let, right, let's get back to it. Now we're going to talk about that stupid UN thing. What
0: most people think.
1: So this week we also had the UN. On their Twitter account, uh, they sent out some advice for us, right? Because this is what happens a lot these days: is is big bodies and agencies. They like to, uh, you know, instead of doing what they're actually supposed to do, they like to just tell us, you know, how to live our fucking lives. You know, someone at the UN said, that "Hey, maybe you know what people need? They need to be told which words they could use." And and it was the usual thing about uh, if you're in doubt, you know, don't call them fireman, uh, call them uh, call them a firefighter. Uh, don't call people a husband or a wife. Call them a spouse, right? Oh, thank you, UN. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I was just sitting there. I was just sitting there having a dilemma. And I thought, who <laughs> who should I call for this? The UN. Yeah, that's what I call when I have language difficulties. And it was really weird time to hear it because the very last time I heard the UN mentioned before that, I was watching an old clip, because I'm an exciting bloke, of Gordon Brown giving a speech about a boy who died in Rwanda. <laughs> And I'm not laughing at that but like part of the speech was it ended on the fact that the UN never came so I'm like the UN didn't intervene in Rwanda UN are intervening in in, in what language we use I mean, where where do these people get off do you, do you realize what a big shout it is to police people's language it's such a such a personal thing like the words that you use and I you, you get to think it's so obviously dim-witted right? For them to overstate their remit in this way, you think how, how does it happen? And I'll tell you how I think it works. Right, you've got a big organisation. They're mainly run at the top by old, out of touch blokes that don't really understand things. But they or they do what they do know is that social media is, is quite a big thing. You know, they got their granddaughter; she's always on TikTok or whatever. So they're like, they're like, they just we need an account. OK, we need, a, we need a Twitter account because I've seen this Twitter thing. I think it could get quite big, right? So then they have a, a, an application process and some, some funky young person comes in for the interview thing and just says a few words that they don't understand, like, you know, impression, uh, impressions, retweets, uh, viral. And they're like, fuck, she said viral. She, this kid knows what she's talking about. Let's give her 60 grand a year to tweet something. OK, uh, and this social media person, they don't have anything to do with with the UN's main role, which is obviously intervening in in conflicts and stopping genofi- genocides and uh, massacres. No, they, they're running a Twitter account for the for the UN. Uh, and they don't. The, the men that employed her. Right. They don't really give a shit. They're like, great, we've covered that base. We have a social media account now, maybe during the next genocide we, we won't even have to send a ground force. We could just do, you know, we could just get something to trend. Stop the war is trending. So why are you still fighting? And, and again, when you come back to the advice itself, when you look at like firefighters as a profession, I think in this country, in Britain, it's 94% of firefighters are, are men, right? So is there, I mean, I just wondered if there's a threshold where you could say there's enough of that profession, is men, to say men, men, firemen. And then on the occasion where it's obviously not a fireman, you could say firewoman or firefighter, but you could, you know, you could generalize to a point. I mean, it's very hard to, it's very hard to have take any sort of sociological view on anything without generalizations, right? At some point, you have to be able to say, okay, yeah, that's mostly, it's mostly men, right? Six point four percent of firefighters are women, and I, I, it got me thinking about you know feminism and firefighters, and if there was a fire, who would I? Who would I prefer to see coming? You know, don't get me wrong, there's some hench women these days. You know, if it was, <coughs> you know, if it was like uh, Rhonda Rousey coming up those stairs or, um, or Gina Carano, you know, <laughs> the one who plays uh, Cara Dune in The Mandalorian, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be all, like Damsel in Distress. But yeah, I, th- I think mostly I want to see uh, a big fuck off bloke coming up those stairs. You know, I'd want to see someone with big arms that'd be the main thing that I'd be wanting. I was was wondering, you know, how, I don't know if there are any feminists in a fire, in a house fire, I've got to say, you know, just when you're in a house fire, like you're thinking, I know I'm in in peril here, but I'd really love to see uh, a really empowered young woman (laughs) come up the stairs. You know, I don't know if something being empowering makes any difference if you both end up as shadows on a wall. But, you know, this is not the first organisation to, um, you know, to do stu- something stupid like this with language. Uh, the organisation PETA, who obviously, uh, you know, care about animals, they, they have a while ago... Now, you might have heard this one, but it's it's worth repeating for those that haven't. They came out with a number of phrases that, uh, you know, they're saying obviously language is part of prejudice. So maybe if we change our language, we could change our prejudice. <laughs> and they wanted to replace phrases to do with animals. So instead of kill two birds with one stone they went for feed two birds with one scone. I mean, not only is that one of the most fucking ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life, it also has a problem in it because a lot of people pronounce scone differently. So for a lot of people, that that doesn't even rhyme. Kill two birds with one scone. Kill, feed two birds with one scone. Scone. Oh, fuck. Uh, be the guinea pig. Instead of be the guinea pig, be the test tube. Right. Okay. Uh, instead of uh, beat a dead horse. Feed a dead horse. It's not, it's not even beat a dead horse. That's not even the right phrase. It's Look, if you're going to be violent to an animal, flog a dead horse. Jesus Christ. We're going to beat these animals. Let's do it properly. Uh, instead of bring home the bacon, uh, it <laughs> it's uh, bring home the bagels. Yeah, I like bagels. You know what I mean? As much as the next man. But bring home the bacon. It's just, that's... It's, it just works as a phrase. It's been around. You know, can't things just exist metaphorically? Can't you say that, even if you don't believe in eating bacon, in that we just know And the thing is, pigs can't hear. Pigs can't hear, pigs aren't sitting there, go, what's that? That is disgusting. That is, yeah, fair enough you're gonna eat us, but don't use us in a phrase. And then there was um and then there was <laughs> I can't even say these. I can't even say these phrases. That's how ridiculous they are. Take the bull by the horns becomes take the flower by the thorns. Um, I don't want to do either of those things, first up, but uh, I don't know if it's quite as heroic taking a flower by the thorns. I mean, it's just stupid, isn't it? It's just stupid. Taking a bull by the horns, there's an actual purpose to that. You know, you'll be riding the ball, you know, you might win money in a fucking stupid competition. Taking the flower by the thorns. You should be taking the flower by the stem. and And these things are so dumb, right? They're so ridiculously idiotic that you start to think that they must be doing it deliberately. You know, the UN and peter they must be doing it because they're attention-seeking is what they are. There must be someone in office going, man, like this this social media manager that they've got has just sat there and gone, I have got no fucking traction. These geezers are paying me 60 grand a year. right? 60 grand a year. I'm getting my likes and retweets. They're low. You know what I mean? I'm not hitting three figures with this. I'll tell you what. Why don't we say that bring home the bacon should become bring home the bagels? Yeah. That'll do it. Oh look, we're trending. You know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. There fucking is. Bring home the bagels. Sorry. Every once in a while I'll do a bit and I'm supposed to be starting the next bit, but I can't I can't get over. How dumb some of these things are! I'll tell you another thing I should have mentioned in that bit was um, I was watching a um, a Disney thing with my son. And it was before 101 Dalmatians, and it came up as a, a trigger warning on screen, and it said contains tobacco depictions. I thought depictions of tobacco is that is that a warning? What what the fuck? The-? And then the other hand, right on the other hand, it also contains images of a woman who wants to murder puppies. So. I don't know what's going on in this country in terms of... It's no wonder people don't want to send their kids back to school. If when they're walking down the street and they see somebody smoking, they're, like, covering their eyes like it's two people banging at a fucking pedestrian crossing. But uh, anyway, I was supposed to be getting on to the letters. It contains tobacco depictions. Morons. Uh, so it seemed like uh, last week the um, the thing about on it, the adverts... Really struck a chord with people. You know the bit is about adverts all trying to associate themselves with wider life. The, the butcher, the baker, the man who gets up in the morning, the breakfast cereal just before bed. All these things that are them just trying to flog their products based on your new circumstances, right? So one of the letters got was from a guy called James, who it really pissed off. And there's one bit of his letter which I picked out, is he's talking about honest adverts, and he says the one that's really pissing him off is the one that says, what does free really mean on the radio, right? And it's for some insurance company, he doesn't know which one because he's already pissed off, listening, too angry to actually take it in, which is a sign for advertisers, don't annoy people to the point where they can't actually hear the product. And it says they list a whole load of free offers, a whole load of free offers, buy one, get one free, free service, every four million miles, etc. And then they go, our offer is really free, unlike all those other con merchants. We'll give you a free Domino's pizza for 20 quid if you buy insurance through us. (laughs) I mean, again, that's so brazen. You have to think like the hypocrisy of that. Is that factored in? Is that factored in? You know, I mean, it would work if James had remembered the name of the company and said it and I'd repeated it now. Unlike, am like, uh, I'll tell you what is free, us, all those other pricks. There's no such thing as a free, it's like those free pens that they give out, you know, with those old people things, those life insurance companies. I always felt like that was a slap in the face. You know, you got Michael Parkinson there going, and if you do all that and apply for us, you'll get a free pen. It just shows how how that generation just, just had a more humble kind of uh, expectations out of luxury in life. And you'll see that when you watch the old game shows, on challenge television. You know, when they... Uh, a tea's made. <laughs> so, some new clothes. <laughs> a wardrobe. Or the star prize. A holiday which is impossible to win. Um, now it's just cash, isn't it? I don't, I don't know what point the quiz shows just, just went, Look, let's just stop pissing about. Let's just take out a middleman. Let's just give them cash. Cash or no cash. is It is, is should be the principle of every game show now. I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's a shame. I, I quite like to know what the new must have. You know, I mean, they could do it now with a, an iPhone or, a, or a, tea, a tea. Does anybody still use teas, it was It was a sign of a different era where tea was so important. Obviously, now it's coffee, isn't it? Like by a long way, it's coffee. And I suppose in a, in a modern way, the Nespresso pod type things are, are the new teas made, aren't they? They're like, I need to have coffee the moment I wake up. And uh, even if it, you know, is really expensive and it creates additional waste, at apparently a time when we're supposed to be saving the planet, we've now invented something that uh, can make sure that we have barista-style coffee on demand. And because uh, if there's one thing this generation needed to be, it was drinking more coffee and feeling more anxious. Okay, next letter is from uh, Graham, um, and he was picking up on what I said, where you know this challenging idea where people say. One death is actually too many. And I said, maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe maybe there is actually, when, you, especially when you look at the borrowing figures, 62 billion quid. Well, it, all right, I'm putting it on you now. If you're a lefty, are you going to tell me that, that that one death is too many things still applies when it's 62 billion quid, when it's a thousand pounds for every single person who lives in Britain? This thing that has a mortality, mortality rate and looks like in the long run will be next to fuck all. We... Um, one death is too many. Joe Biden said that in one of his tweets. He said, uh, "He said no life is worth a single cent of value on the stock exchange." And I was thinking, well, Joe Biden, you 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 have some good first meetings there with the automobile, petroleum, arms industry, aviation industry, the military. Have 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 good first meetings if you become president. But but um, but Graham makes his point. He says we just, we drive vehicles despite them killing thousands a year. We allow peanuts in our food, despite them being a risk to many. Uh, you know, we limit the budget of the NHS because difficult choices must be made. Graham, I, I'm with you, mate. I, d- I, don't, I don't get that people can't understand that there's a risk to reward calibration in everything in life. And it was the same with lockdown. And, and just I keep going on about it. I can't get past the fact of how many people think that lockdown could have con- continued to July. I just don't. I just don't get it. You know, you might as well have said, like, in that survey, instead of do you think lockdown should continue to July, are you currently in a comfortable little bubble where you're not really taking on the idea of long-term implications? People go, yes, that is what I'm doing now. Okay, that's fine. Well, that is absolutely fine. It's just, it's really important just to be honest um, about these things. But, yeah, I think that right now, I think what the government have done is obviously they've had an early look. (laughs) I mean, it's no coincidence, right? These awful figures i mean awful i say awful uh consumer spending was only down by 18 percent. i think given that no fuckers leaving the house that's not that bad i'm gonna say it that is heroic i think we should all congratulate ourselves and, and spend man just spend because that is what you can do now to fund the nhs and to fund public services tax revenues if your financial situation demands it right if you're and you can afford it then spend spend on a new pair of shoes right you know, spend on on some new golf clubs, or maybe spend on that on that Patreon subscription to that that comic that you've always wanted to get. Uh, a final letter comes from Greg. What are you saying, Greg? He says. Uh, He's asking a question about the UK care industry. Is it not privatised? Are these care providers not private companies which are profit centric? Uh, I guess he's getting at the point here that the care industry seems to have suddenly been considered alongside the NHS as something that the government need to take day to day management in. It's a fair point. He continues. I've heard that the industry is renowned for some very shady labour practices. And they are often left wanting. So why is there this push for the government to provide PPE to them? Surely these companies, which charge hundreds of thousands of pounds a week, should bear some responsibility. Is there something I'm missing in this? No, Greg, you're not missing anything. It's just it's just the the, the kind of uh, the Overton window for politics has changed to the point where, you know, you've got Tories doing communism. Uh, you've got the left acting like a private corporation isn't accountable uh, for its own provision of safety to its staff i mean one, one little thing that's sl- snuck under the net here is you remember like all the for all the talk about ppe um there was the nhs mortality rate is in line with the normal with the rest of the population right in line now given the exposure to the illness that is surprising isn't it you would think that people who are in the hospital would be much more likely to to die than the rest of the general population, which either suggests one or two things. God forbid that, you know, PPE wasn't as sparsely available as the press was suggesting, or Piers Morgan was suggesting. Really? What? What? What journalists have cranked something up because they realise it's a story that gets the public irate? Maybe. oh, I'm just saying. Just saying, hashtag. Or that PPE itself isn't quite as effective at shielding the virus. I mean, there's a lot of talk about at the moment about wearing face masks in public. There's no actual definite science that says this is better than not wearing a face mask. It just feels like one of those things that we're going to do in the end. You know, it's like it's like going to full lockdown in the first place. There was the UK, you know, that you could tell they didn't want to do it. They didn't think it was necessary to do it. But public opinion moved by various screechy voices in the media went to lockdown. Now, it might be proved in the end that lockdown saved more lives than otherwise. But the point is, at that time, it did feel like the British scientific community uh didn't think you know or certainly the most responsible people didn't didn't think that it was it was necessary right but yeah you know the care industry god god bless them ain't you know taking all that money and then the moment the shit hits the fan they turn around they redirect that fan they spin it the other way and it ends up on matt hancock's face okay that is the end of this week's show thank you so much for listening as ever uh, like subscribe look as a lot of you you just download it when i send out the links on twitter i know you do you lazy bastards subscribe the subscriptions help push me up the itunes tarts but actually i don't know if i've just got followers that i just don't like the mainstream thing because we get a lot of downloads off uh, google and spotify as well but do subscribe if you can um, give a few shout outs to the three pound tier and um, the what most people pay tier matthew lagdon Kerry Warner and David Allen. Thank you for your patronage, right? I would just read out a few iTunes reviews here. Have I got any iTunes reviews? It's always a risk. So, what are you going to do this weekend? We're just chatting now. You know what I mean? It's that bit after work. We were just going, yeah, yeah. We're we're running down the clock here. Uh, Just try. We could could be doing some work, but instead, uh, we're just. (laughs) It's taken me a while to bring up the reviews this week. Um, Here we go. So, we've got a few actually. We've got a few. Let's start off with Felix Carswell. Jeff Norcott joins me and my wife in the bedroom every... Oh, Jesus. Felix. You sound like a player. Every week for some oral stimulation. He never disappoints. An antidote to the Twitter nonsense. He's intelligent, good-natured, and positively therapeutic. Love the accents, too. As ever, looking forward to the next rendezvous with his labial dexterity. Please keep it up. Jesus Christ, Felix, you are, mate, you are you are throbbing with testosterone. It's from Jack Ellis. Jack Ellis just sounds like a young name, so I'll read it young. Uh, so refreshing to come off Twitter and listen to an Honest Opinion on Politics. I feel Jeff relays my own thoughts in much more humorous ways. Emoji. <laughs> this is definitely a young person. Hilarious laughing emoji. See, love it. This is from Kim Kimmy Kim. Um, just started from the beginning and I'm officially nostalgic for the Brexit argument days hey me and you both we were arguing about passports the other days it was refreshing Uh, funny straight talking and not hiding behind wokeness give him a listen and finally from Benny Blancho Uh, excellent the podcast (laughs) is this racist? I don't know excellent the podcast and I really appreciate the weekly frequency during the lockdown but where's the next Mandalorian YouTube video Jeff? It's not like anything's got anything better to do. Keep up I mean, not only did the accent fall apart there, I was I wasn't even saying the words. I um, I probably need some food now. So I'm gonna do that. But meanwhile, you have a, you have yourself a good weekend and don't you dare go to that beach. Don't you dare go out of your house. Keep the lockdown going. What, do you wanna kill people? Is that your problem? You Tory bastard. Yeah, leave the house. Leave the house. Bring down a death sentence on their vulnerable, that's always what the Tories do in the end. Yeah, they might be paying their wages, but other than that, they are evil, murdering, venomous lives.